0: Welcome back to a special episode of Real Talk with Chuck and Pam. Chuck and I are finally getting around to chatting about our top 10 movies of 2023. And actually, it's kind of just in time because we just had the Critics' Choice Awards, the Golden Globes have taken place, and now I think everyone's probably on pins and needles for the Oscar nominations.
1: Yeah, and that is going to be next week on the twenty third, I believe. the Nominations. Very
0: good. Do you think there'll be any surprises, Chuck?
1: There always are. Okay. There always are, uh, and, but and unfortunately, the the um, you know the surprises tend to be omissions. Uh, right. Know, the ones like, oh, they should have got something. They should have got something. So, uh, and there's one thing with my number nine pick of uh, the year I want to talk about as far as Oscars that I hope they do something right but I'm, I'm afraid they won't but uh, yeah it's always you know that's what you discuss afterwards is who made it and, and the ones who should have but didn't get there
0: right right I'm sure there'll be plenty that we had hoped would make it but never do
1: yeah yeah it always happens it always happens
0: well let's start with number 10 <clears throat> what was your number 10
1: Chuck my number 10 was Godzilla minus zero I should say minus one, uh, <laughs> and uh, I have to say this. You know what are they going to do new with a Godzilla movie? I mean, how can they possibly, you know, do that? Um, you know, but 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 this is. And did you know? Did you know that hmm. about Godzilla minus one? That this is the thirty seventh Godzilla movie, and that Godzilla is the longest running franchise of any franchise
0: no i did not very cool factoid there i like that
1: yes Yes. godzilla the first one started in 1954 so we're talking what are we talking 50 yeah almost 70 years
0: yeah yeah that's a long time
1: yeah and what makes this one different is that um It's much more realistic than any of the Godzilla movies I've ever seen. Did you see this one? Did you get to this or not?
0: I didn't. The link was not available when I tried to click it.
1: You know, and and really
0: it's, it's all about, it's not a
1: Godzilla when he's done right, any monster when they're done right is a metaphor for something else. And, And Godzilla here is a metaphor for Japan's PTSD, Japan's, uncertain future because we're really dealing with a post-war society that is completely devastated, not just physically, but also psychologically, morally. I mean, this is a, a society that doesn't know where it's headed. And we are focused on a guy who was a kamikaze pilot who is living in shame because as we know, kamikaze pilots you're supposed to die out there and he just couldn't you know you know so good for him uh but you know he has walking around with that stigma and it deals with him uh it deals with a woman that he meets who's lost everything they find a baby and they're trying to raise this baby so you've got these three different people who've lost everything trying to form this family in the face of com- the complete unknown really I mean, how are you going to go on when there's no jobs, when there's no place to live? when you're... And then, of course, there's this freaking monster that's <laughs> coming up to just trash everything. Um, it, you, it was really more of the human element here that, that really got you. I really felt for these people. And that's something that the Godzilla movies don't deal with. The Godzilla movies are all about destruction and always uh, oh, that cool, uh, except for the first one, of course, which was deadly serious and rightly so. That being said, the destruction stuff is really cool. I mean, uh, I've never seen the effects used better. Camera placement was incredible. I felt I was going to be crushed at a couple of occasions. They just really key in on what it would be like if this was really happening. And it's absolutely terrifying. And it's also very meaningful at the end once you see these people get through This incredible trauma. The interesting thing, again, another interesting thing about this movie, this movie only costs $20 million.
0: That seems like a pretty low budget movie for something with special effects.
1: And when you look at the special effects, they're great. And that tells you how out of control spending is in Hollywood. (laughs) When you look at this movie and you compare it, it's like, wait a second. What's going on here with the inflated uh, charges that special effects houses are putting out on other films that farm out things? So there's really a disparity. But uh, I I really, really like this film. And I hope it it, it pops up in theaters every once in a while because it really needs to be there to be appreciated.
0: Well, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I've we just got a new setup for our home theater system. So I'm oh, excited cool. to see that. I'm hoping that it streams. Yeah. Let me know when it does so that I can take a look at it that way. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about studios and budgets and money, what studio is this from?
1: This is from Toho. This is from Japan. That's why there's such a difference. Okay. Yeah, that's why I mean. What's the difference here between over there and our Hollywood studios in America? Yeah, this is done completely in Japan. Okay. And one guy. The other interesting thing is, is that one guy, um, the director uh, Taka, Takashi Yama, Yamazaki, he wrote it, directed it, and did all the special effects.
0: Really? In
1: charge of everything. So yeah, that's another interesting aspect about this movie. Less is more. Right. Yes.
0: Very good. Well, thank you for sharing that. I hope everyone seeks out seeing this. I know I will just because of what you've said about it. I wouldn't normally be drawn to a movie that has the word Godzilla in it.
1: Well, um, and it's and it's not just me. It's at like 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. So. That's pretty incredible. It is. Hey, What's your number 10?
0: My number 10 is Somewhere in Queens. This is, I think, a really under the radar kind of movie. It is. Um, Ray Ray Romano writes, actually co-writes and directs this film. It's a very insightful film about an average dad whose relationship with his son isn't exactly what he thought it was. And it drives him to look inside himself to see what is his relationship and how is he trying to live his life through his son? There are a lot of other things going on. Ray Romano plays the main character. And we see him struggle with his family and the pressures of being in this Italian family. His name is Leo in the movie. He's married to Laurie Metcalf's character of Angela, who is a breast ca- cancer survivor. Um, his son is an outstanding basketball player. They call him Sticks. And he is in the midst of falling in love and pushing away his parents, cutting those apron strings. And really, neither one of them want to have those apron strings cut. This is just a, a beautiful, soft film that's filled with heart and soul. And it's 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 kind of interesting. You talk about interesting facts. Um, somewhere in Queens, Ray Romano was. I don't know. Did you ever watch Everybody Loves Raymond?
1: I watched it like a couple of times and figured I had
0: it down and I didn't need to watch it again. (laughs) All right. Well, there were 210 episodes and never did he direct any of those episodes. Frequently, you'll find sometimes the main character or actor will direct an episode here and there. He didn't didn't direct any of them. So he was like super nervous about writing and directing this movie, especially given the people that were in it. And um, I guess he had panic attacks right before he started directing that actually required medical attention he was so really? nerved wow. out by it all um and he based part of this on his own life he's he wanted to explore that Italian family he wanted to explore his relationship he was watching his own son play basketball senior year and realizing, this is like the last time I'm going to see him do this. And I know you and I have experienced that with our sons playing soccer. And, you know, we were lucky enough to watch them go on and play college soccer. But that ends too. Eventually those things do end unless they make it into the MLS, you know? Uh Um, So it's all about that, how how Leo um, finds his own life. And this was inspired by Uh, Ray Romano's life is his wife actually went through breast cancer as well. So there are a lot of little yeah, there are a lot of little snippets that are the heart and soul of this movie that were inspired by his real life. Everything else is is fictionalized, but Hmm. there's a lot of reality in there, which I think is what brings such meaning to each of the characters as well. So that's my number 10.
1: Hmm, I didn't realize that. Didn't realize that. Yeah. And you're going to, folks are going to have to really look for that one. That one did not get uh, a wide release or as you say, very much under the radar.
0: Right. And I believe you can stream it on one of the streaming services, maybe Hulu or Amazon. I've seen it pop up on that.
1: Yeah. It's got to be out there. It's got to be out there. So yeah. Yeah. Cool.
0: How about you? What's your number nine? Number nine
1: is of course a movie that was pitched directly To my demographic, they said, this is a movie for Kaplinsky. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was not expecting that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Neither was I. (laughs) You know, I uh, being uh, uh, I I, I had never read the book, of course. Of course. I never did either. Uh, uh, The book came out in 1970. So I should it was on the you know other people were reading it i was all stuck on encyclopedia brown i think that's what i was reading oh, fun. <laughs> uh while my my girl cohort cohorts were probably reading this uh you know at this movie yeah i was i figured okay it's going to be pretty good uh, there's good people in it i didn't expect it to be as good as it was but not only that but to speak to me i was genuinely moved by this film and, and the girl in it and, and everybody in it. I mean, it is just so well done. Um, did you know, by the way, did you know about this book that uh, it is all over the culture, of course? I mean, it's it, American culture. It pops up here and there. But did you know that in Talladega Nights, The Legend of Ricky Bobby?
0: Mm-hmm. Love that movie.
1: Yes. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan's character. Is reading, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, to Ricky no. while he's in the coma. Yeah, yeah, go back and watch it. It's right there. <laughs>
0: okay, those little details like that yeah. are amazing. I love yeah. knowing that kind of trivia. That is so funny. I love that movie. I cannot tell you how many times I've watched it. Me too. I'm, and i never going to look for that. Yeah,
1: now see, there's an excuse for us to go back and watch it again. Yeah, go. that's what he's reading him when he's in the coma. Um, Young lady named Abby Ryder Fortson. Uh, she had popped up in the Ant-Man movies. And she's Margaret. And boy, this young girl, boy, she's um, 15. She just nails it. I mean, she she's just so wonderful in this film. You feel for her. You go through her anxiety. You feel her hopes. Uh, she's just she's just wonderful in this movie. I really liked it. And of course, when you've got someone like Kathy Bates as the grandma, you know, that's quality. And to the Oscar thing, I'm hoping, although I don't think it's going to happen, I would really love to see Rachel McAdams get nominated in the Best Supporting Actress category. Because as mom, she's always good. I mean, come on, she's always good. But as mom, you, you, you just feel her anxiety too. You and I, you know, in reference to what you were talking about in watching your sons play soccer, the other rough thing about being a parent or another rough thing about being a parent is wanting to fix everything and knowing that you can't. Yeah. And having to see your kid go through these certain things. And McAdams just brings that. She knows that Margaret is suffering. She wants to fix it, but she can't. She's got to hold back. and, And she just brings all of that. Uh, she's the type of mom everyone would want to have, you right. know? Right. Uh and, and the trick to this film is that it's never maudlin, they never overplay it. It's not from melodrama. They play it straight, and that's what makes it work. So yeah, this was a, a genuine surprise for me. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And guys, don't say, Oh, I'm not gonna watch it. Give it a shot. I mean, really, it's very well done.
0: It really is. I was quite surprised by it as well. I did not read the book when I was younger. I thought it had to do about religion, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I didn't read it. it tells yeah. you a little bit about me there, um, but I, I absolutely love this movie as well. This actually tied for 11th place for me. There you go. Um, okay. It could easily have been in my top 10, and I completely agree with you with Rachel McAdams' performance. And In fact, I, I think you and I texted when we were watching that por- that portion of it of how finely nuanced that was and that could have been contrived and over the top but it wasn't
1: yeah yeah really really good film
0: yeah so my number nine is a foreign flick called anatomy of a fall i'm sure most everyone has heard about it but if you haven't it's about a young visually impaired boy who witnesses his father's death and i'm going to put air quotes around witness as they are up in a ski house, a mountain house, and his mother, Sandra, played by Sandra Huller, is accused of killing his father. And this is, this is a murder mystery and a courtroom drama, all wrapped into one. It's almost like watching two different movies. We recount whether or not um, what the events of the day and where each of the people in question were that day, including the boy and his dog. Um, <clears throat> and we watch Sandra fight for her freedom as she reveals pieces of information about her relationship with her husband and her past. Um, what I loved about this movie is we weren't spoon fed anything. We had to think, and we were a part of this story and we, we watched this unusual to us. It's an unusual courtroom drama because it takes mm-hmm. place in France. So their rules and regulations are a smidge different. It's different.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And we have to come to our own conclusion about Sandra's guilt or innocence. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed that because that really sparks a great conversation after the movie. Um, Sandra Huller is amazing that film. Um, I don't know. Did you see Tony Erdman? She was in that. That's from a few years ago. Yes. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: one of my favorite foreign flicks of that year i had heard that they were going to make it remake it into an americanized version they have not and i'm really glad you know why hmm.
1: you know who is attached to that no i don't kirsten wigg and then the father was going to be jack nicholson
0: oh okay
1: but nicholson uh is uh suffering from dementia
0: Oh, I did not know that.
1: Yes. And that's why you haven't seen him in a movie in forever.
0: Oh, and once
1: yeah. it proved that he could not do that, that that remake was scrapped.
0: Okay. one of the One of the things that <clears throat> while I was watching Anatomy of a Fall, I got very angry in one part and I texted you, I didn't want to continue watching because it had to do with the dog. Yes. The dog <laughs> gets sick. And I uh-huh. thought there is no way that this dog is acting. This is just way too realistic. They did something to this dog. Well, mm-hmm. you reassured me that they no. didn't. And so I looked up more information and this dog was called Snoop in the in the movie. And his name is actually Messi. And he is a, I think Messi is after the soccer player. That kind yes, of thing. Yes, it is. Not, not Spelling the is the same creating, thing. Yeah, <laughs> M-E-S-S-I, yeah. Um, is a seven-year-old border collie. And he actually won the palm dog at Cannes, <laughs> which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and
1: and we put in to interview him.
0: Yes, we did. We did. I haven't heard anything yet. Fingers crossed, we will. Um, he is owned by a, um, a canine theatrical trainer. Her name is Laura Martin contini and um, they did 22 straight days of shooting. And a lot of that time, they had the young boy who who um, is in the movie bond with him and play. And she said it was really kind of interesting and really getting into the mind of the dog in order to teach him how to act sick, put his tongue Mm -hmm. out, roll his Mm -hmm. eyes. I mean, those are really subtle nuances. I've got too many Aussies and I can teach them a lot of things. I don't know, and I'm sure it has to do with the trainer, not necessarily the dog, how to train them to do that. That is one impressive scene. I have gone back to watch it knowing that, the dog is fine. <laughs> Just to see how they did that. This is a, a a stellar film that really created great conversation.
1: Maybe you need to get into that.
0: I would love that.
1: Tra- training dogs for movies and stuff like that. That'd I be would. Kind of cool. I would
0: love that. I would. I would need to learn a heck of a lot more than I know now. That's right. That, or I. I could get into teaching accents, and with my speech background, I think I could probably do that. I did foreign accent reductions. I could probably teach foreign accents.
1: Yeah, give it a shot. That'd be cool.
0: It would be fun, yeah, right? Cool. Yeah, yeah,
1: little <laughs> hobby. Dream
0: a long, long time ago, little Chuck. Hobby?
1: Yeah, I know. Well, what can I tell you?
0: <laughs> so, where are we at in this? I think we're on number eight.
1: Number eight. My number eight, and I think my—I think this is going to be the first time that we overlap. I could be wrong. Okay. Uh, but my number eight is BlackBerry. Okay. Was that, did that crack your top 10?
0: It did. It's my number seven, actually.
1: Okay, well, there we go. Well, let's cover this one. Boy, And you know, and another thing, uh, another surprise for me. Uh, I was expecting, okay, this will be pretty good. This will be interesting. I didn't realize how interesting and how compelling uh, did this movie would be. Uh, and, and, you know, did
0: you have a Blackberry? I did not.
1: Yeah, I had one. And I, it, it just really took me back. Did you know that? At its peak, there were 85 million blackberries.
0: Wow, that's a lot of blackberries
1: in use. And then, in five years, it dropped to 23 million. Almost Crazy. three quarters of their uh, of them were out of use. And this movie gets into that as to why uh, why that happened uh and and just absolutely fascinating the whole uh how it came about these 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 uh cadre of nerds who um just just happened to stumble upon this thing jay burishel uh is mike and he's the guy who really is the driving force behind this thing but and if you've watched uh it's always sunny in philadelphia glenn howerton I mean, he's usually, you know, a goofball there. He is deadly serious as this guy named uh, Jim, who was the business mind behind this whole thing and was able to use his business acumen and cutthroat uh, techniques. Guy's an absolute asshole uh, <laughs> to get this thing, you know, into the hands of IBM, which, you know, was the first, apparently the first big customer for these things and then drive this thing to the top. I mean, it it is... we we've seen this story before, you know, the whole, uh, you know, company that goes from nothing to everything and then loses it all. But there was just something compelling about this one, maybe because it's so current, but also the way it was shot, it was shot documentary style as well. So it really kind of put us there in the midst of the board meetings where all this is happening. Uh, The, uh, the, 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 the company where they're making all of these things uh just really one of those things where even though you knew how the story was going to end I didn't care because it was fascinating to see how it got there
0: right and and you know one of the things did you know that they used Matt Johnson either wrote or co-wrote this and, and he's in it he's in it and he's hilarious um and apparently some of some of the real life people took a little offense to how they were portrayed in the movie
1: I bet they did
0: <laughs> and right apparently uh, Matt Johnson used personal diaries from some of the employees that are still around and willing to oh. share oh. and then um he also admits that there's a lot of poetic license and liberties taken to the truth they have a they have the characters they've got the statistics and after that, it's all kind of uh, assumptions and imagination, if you will.
1: Well, if he's using personal diary stuff, I, I can understand them being upset. That's not cool. Well, <laughs>
0: It's entertaining, let me tell you. I, I
1: mean, for us, yeah, but I mean, I wouldn't want my stuff out there like that. Well, I think, I think so. it
0: was work diaries from people who who used to work there. It was like you okay. know, uh, contemporary notes of what was happening within the company. I don't think it was like, you know, and I went out with Susie and, you know, this and now happened. now I don't that that ever I, want
1: to see her again. Yeah, Okay. Right. okay, that's
0: good. That's good. All right, well, that's good. but yeah check that
1: one out seek that one out it uh it was a major surprise absolutely totally fascinating and entertaining
0: yeah and that one stuck with me and it's interesting too our top 10 has a lot of um uh independent movies and things that did fly under the radar that weren't the big blockbuster kinds of films
1: independent movies and foreign films i've never had uh this many foreign films uh on my list
0: yeah, I've got it, two. I could have easily had three because I, I was remiss for not watching um, Society of the Snow early enough to make my list.
1: The only Hollywood movie on my list is Margaret. Everything wow. else is independent or, or whatever.
0: So what do you got at number eight? Wow. Okay. My number eight is The Boys in the Boat. Um. This was just, I think this was just timing right for me. It was an uplifting story. It was released on Christmas day. It was inspirational. George Clooney is, is in the director's seat or at the helm of this boat, if you will. Look (laughs) what you did there. (laughs) (laughs) And it stars Joel Edgerton as the rowing coach of the university of Washington for the rowing team. And Caleb Turner plays a young man, um, Joe Rance, God bless you um who is in financial straits can't really afford to continue on with college and he and his buddy learned that if they make the rowing team they will have their room board and tuition paid for or at least part of it so i mean this is kind of a predictable story you know what's going to happen but you don't know how, you know, the, the team is a losing team and they need to be a winning team and they want to make it to not just the championships in Poughkeepsie, New York, my old stomping grounds, uh-huh. um, but also to make it on to the 1936 Berlin Olympics. Um, you know, if I if this wasn't a true story, I would say, oh, this is really predictable and kind of sappy, but it never goes into the sappiness. It, it really reaches that tone of authenticity and the characters are believable and and the the sportsmanship and the team how the team comes together and those relationships it was just so captivating and beautiful and did you know that this is based on a book um, by daniel james brown
1: and i was mm-hmm. reading
0: an article in time magazine by olivia Waxman. And in the interview with Daniel Brown, I guess he was um, he had a neighbor who who came over and said, you know, my dad um, is in hospice right now and he's reading one of your books. Can you come down and just say hi to him? It would mean a lot. I'm paraphrasing here. Um, And so uh, Brown goes down and, and talks to this man named Joe Rance and Oh my goodness! Okay, so yep, I'm never, I'm never going to make it through one podcast without getting choked up. You am are just, I? <laughs> I, yeah, keep going. So Joe tells him the story about his rowing team back in the day, and um, Brown says, "I need to write a book about you." And do you know what he said? What? And I'm using quotes now. No, you can't write a book about me, but you could write a, bo- a book about the boat. And he meant all the guys that had rode together and all of these guys until their deaths. And I think some are still alive, um, got together and every year to have some sort of a reunion, a backyard cookout and their children all get together. It is truly a community and a family that's just beautiful. And one other really cool fact that I found out, did you know that when they went to Poughkeepsie, They actually went up to Hyde Park, New York, where the Roosevelt Mansion is. Roosevelt spent a lot Mm -hmm. of time there Mm -hmm. and they knocked on the door. (laughs) They they wanted to meet the president and he wasn't in. He was in D.C. But I guess one of Roosevelt's son was on a rowing team and he invited the team in and they sat around and chatted for a while. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Isn't that cool? That's cool. Interesting. Yeah. I just I love the fact that this was just a. It was about a family, but, you know, chosen family, if you will, that, you know, they come together yeah. under these circumstances and they remain remain a family and they grow together.
1: Yep. Yep. And I think you can still see that one in theaters.
0: I think you can, too. And you should.
1: Yep. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> How about true. you?
0: What's next for you? Number Let's seven. See.
1: Number seven. Number seven. I think we're going to overlap on this one in two. Uh, Flora and son.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's my number yeah.
1: two. Number two. Wow. Do we want to wait and do that for your number nope. two? No, no,
0: nope. You go right ahead and do that.
1: Okay. Uh, Florence, and Son, uh, it's predictable too. I mean, I don't think we can say that it's not. But, you know, this is done by a uh, guy who is always consistent as far as music films, John Carney.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I love his movies.
1: His, his movies are fantastic. I mean, uh, he did Once, which is a touchstone love story. I, yeah. mean, I mean, no question about it. He did Begin Again, which I love with Kieran Knightley and Mark Ruffalo. Uh, he did Sing Street, a movie that really is under the radar that you need to seek. Uh, Flora and Son deals with a woman named Flora uh, and her son. Did you know the woman who plays Flora? Do you know who her dad is? No. Bono from YouTube. No way. <laughs> way. way. That is her dad. And you can see. That uh, Miss uh, Houston, Eve Houston, who plays Flora, she's got her musical chops. She knows exactly what she's doing. She can play that guitar and she can sing. And she's estranged from her son. She's having a rough time. They don't have any money. The kid's always in trouble. Dad's not around. He's run off with some young girl. He's a musician as well, Uh, played by the always reliable Jack Rayner. So she doesn't know what to do. She finds a guitar in the garbage brings it home, going to give it to the kid, hope they, they can bond. He doesn't want anything to do with it. She's got nothing to do, so she learns how to play the guitar. And she's search, searching online for a guitar instructor, and she finds a guy in America, in California, played by Jordan Gordon Joseph Gordon Levitt, really laid back, and she starts to take lessons from him. And of course, as we know is going to happen, there's a spark there, even though that they're you know across the the world from each other and the interaction they have via zoom it is really really genuine i really liked it um and i i don't think i've liked gordon levitt more in a movie than i have here
0: i agree i agree it's a really I mean, i've
1: always very- liked him i've never had a problem with the guy right but he's very appealing very appealing here. I'm going to stop you. I'm going to let you take it. Since how it was your number two?
0: Okay. Keep going on
1: this as to what you liked about
0: it. Well, you know, and, and I'm going to continue to expand a little bit on Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt because it's it's almost like he's matured into this more refined and understated actor. I agree. Who understands emotions better? Yes. Um, I've always enjoyed him. I loved 500 Days of Summer. Um, he's a, an amazing actor, but I think he's really come into his own and shows us the depth that he can express with doing what appears to be very little, but it's not
1: right. I think, Um, I think good actors over time learn that less is more.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. Um, And, and I, one of the other things that I I liked about this is, you know, John Carney isn't afraid to, he doesn't pull any punches. And when it comes to motherhood and some of the things, I mean, okay. I love being a mom. I love my children. You know, that, uh-huh. Being a mom is a really tough job. And I didn't always like every aspect of it. And Flora, Flora really struggles. She has a lot of things going against her. And what she verbalizes is like a, a gut punch sometimes about the realities of her situation and being a mother to her. Um, I thought that was pretty bold, Um there's nothing flashy at all in this story. And I think no. that's what I really like about it because mm-hmm. it brings that element of authenticity to it. The the dialogue, the, the music is beautiful. I listen, and you know me, I'm not a big music no. fan in a lot of things, but man, I listen to those songs. They are really, really good. I hope, I hope that something happens with Oscar that recognizes this film in some way, even if it's just for the music, I would like to see some recognition for it.
1: unfortunately i think it's the year of barbie with the music but you're right it should be there
0: yeah and did you know that john carney actually based some of this on his own life he grew up in dublin and his mom gave him a guitar that changed his world Uh, yeah and he said you know it's not necessarily that i had this this propensity to be this amazing guitar player or songwriter or whatever she took the time and the money that was quite tight and bought him a guitar. And he cherished that because he knew. Oh, I'm going to cry again. <laughs> God, knew, you're sappy. He knew what she was giving up in order to help him.
1: So he could do something.
0: Yeah. Hey, that's
1: Beautiful. what moms do, right? That's and what moms is and dads sacrifice.
0: do. And that's, that gives me, you know, like one of the lines that Ruth Handler says in Barbie. We mothers stand still so our daughters can move forward and see where they've come. Oh, my goodness.
1: Do we, do we need to take a break, Pam? Do we need to take a break?
0: I think maybe we should take a break because now we are on number six for me, which I think might overlap for you a little bit. Let's go ahead and go on for my number six. Yeah. It's past lives. Yes. Yes. Where's that for you? Does it make a list?
1: Oh, completely. One, two, three, four. It's number five.
0: Number five. Okay, very right. good. So,
1: yeah.
0: Um, Celine Song writes and directs this story that I think anybody over the age of 20 can relate to.
1: <laughs> it's
0: all yeah. about the what-ifs in life. Um, mm-hmm. and if we could turn back the hands of time, would we? Greta Lee stars as Nora. She's a young Asian woman. Whose family moved her to the United States when she was a child, and she leaves her best friend and her crush Teo, played by Hei Sung, behind. Um, their lives take very different routes, and they lose track of one another over the years until um, she is tra- Nora's tracked down by uh, Teo uh, via Facebook, and they connect. And they still have a spark there. There's still something that they, the chemistry is there um they decide or she decides that she doesn't want to talk to him anymore because this is going nowhere. She has her life in the United States now and she is trying to move forward with her writing skills. Um and Teo is going into the military. And so they stop talking for a while until he shows up later years later at her door basically and she is married and the three of them um connect <laughs> and she actually tries to find a way to reconcile her past and where she's at now. Um this is a beautiful film. This is a quiet film as you described it Chuck beautifully so. Um it gives you a lot of space to think yeah. and connect with these mm-hmm. characters. And reflect on your own life and where oh, you're yeah. at, and the choices that you've made in your past. Um, and I think anybody anybody can relate to this movie, whether you've moved across the world or across town or across the United States, or just made some choices in your life, crossroads in your life. Beautifully, beautifully done. Um, one of the things that I found interesting ab- about this, you know, finding out information about who these people are. Um, this is somewhat based on Celine Song's own life because she did leave Korea as a child. She moved to Canada, and then she went to Columbia University. So she is exploring her own life and reactions, but what inspired her to tell this particular tale is that she did reconnect with someone from her past, and she and her husband and this friend were all sitting at a bar together Mm -hmm. and talking and that's one of the the most interesting scenes there are a lot of interesting scenes but this is a very interesting scene in the in the movie as the three of them are sitting around a bar talking um and her husband um he wrote the upcoming movie challengers and that is being directed by luca guadino and stars zendaya yes you know this
1: is an unabashedly romantic film uh, but it's not romantic, you know, with the swelling music and the, right. you know, uh, affair to remember or love affair or any of that. It, it's a it it. But it is so romantic, and I love this whole concept, this Korean concept that they have of past lives yes. that they speak yes. about. That, you know, maybe we won't be together in this life, but in another life we might. And there's all these past lives where we've missed each other, and they accumulate until eventually this will happen i I love that concept i mean it gives you a little bit of hope apparently uh the the uh the um the final scene my god is is devastating devastating and i love the single track that they have on that as she says goodbye and and goes on with her life so yeah don't let the subtitles or any of that throw you this is really well done and it's i think just a little over 90 minutes as well so past lives really really good
0: and you know it's playing on southwest air uh airline movie streaming service so you can check it out there
1: so we're going to wrap this up and we're going to come back with uh our one through five and we'll see what's there see if there's any overlap there but uh wow a good list i think so far